Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. All right, we're going to this evening be in the Gospel of John, Gospel of John chapter 12, and I want to give you a thought from this passage in uh, chapter 12 of John and beginning in verse 20. As I suggested at the beginning, um, we have, I believe, an opportunity at this moment, and I'm trying to figure out for myself, and you'll have to figure it out for yourself, and I will try to, as your pastor try to figure it out together with you as this church how we're going to seize on that opportunity. But I think we have a real opportunity. The reality is that there's a world that's seeking for something. There's a world that wants answers. There's a world that needs answers. They may not completely understand what it is they exactly want and need. But I can tell you, we have God's word on it that we have what they need. And we have an opportunity right now to show it to them in a very real, a very tangible, a very visceral way. And unfortunately, and I'm just giving you you my critique on myself, and I would argue it's probably a critique that many of you could take to heart as well, that we are not taking advantage of it. In fact, we are probably showing ourselves to be the opposite to not having the answer because we're so busy squabbling. In fact, at this moment, I'm afraid that too many people with that name, the name of Christ, are known by their opposition to the government more than they are about their pointing to a Savior. I'm afraid that there's too many who name the name of Christ who are known for too many things that have nothing to do with why we're here. And I want to show you from the scripture that we need to give the world what they need. Not what they're asking for, even what you and I want to give them, but what they absolutely need. I want to show you this in John chapter 12 and verse 20. We'll begin there and then uh, we'll, we'll take, a, take a few thoughts, take a few moments to go through this thought in, this, in these verses. I'd like to begin with a word of prayer and we'll see this from, the, see if, get this thought from this passage. Let's pray together. Lord, I need your help to show what your word gives us. Help us to show the world Jesus. Help us to point the world to him. Forgive us of our failings. We fail you so often, so much. But Lord, help us to not be so concerned about what our needs are and our discomforts are, but instead know that you've given us exactly what this entire world needs and help us to share him. Praying this in Jesus' name. Amen. In John chapter 12 and verse 20, and um, says that, I'm sorry, in verse, yeah, in verse 20, it says that there were certain Greeks among them, and this is among the people that are coming to Jerusalem, uh, there were certain Greeks that came up to worship at the feast. So this is the, the setting here is that there's a, bunch of people that are converging on Jerusalem at this moment in time. In fact, just prior to this, Jesus is having some conversations and he's doing some things that have to do with 
with all of the, the preparation. He's, uh, in fact, actually, I believe this is when uh, he actually walks into, just before this is when he's actually coming in on the, uh, on the donkey, when they're, they're praising him with the palms and all this. So there's just a, there's a bunch of hullabaloo that's happening here in Jerusalem at this moment. And in the midst of all that, because there's people from everywhere that have come and converged on Jerusalem, you see in verse 20 that there are certain Greeks among them that came up to the worship at the feast. It seems, it stands to reason, based on the context here, that these are God-fearing Gentiles. These are Gentiles, these are, these are people who believe in God, but they're not Jewish people. So you understand that they've come to J Jerusalem and it's a Jewish um, feast, a Jewish uh, moment, a Jewish worship time, but these are Gentiles that are coming, so they apparently are worshiping God, they're God-fearing. So they're in there in verse 20, and then in verse 21, these, the same, these Greeks that we just talked about, there, came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, and I want you to pay attention to what they asked for, they say to Philip, Sir, we would see Jesus. They're saying in so many words, Philip, we want to see Jesus. That's what we want. We want to see Jesus. It, it appears that these God-fearing Gentiles who have come to Jerusalem to worship God as they believe that he was as he really is They came to worship him as the true one true God of the universe And they had apparently heard about Jesus in the process of this and they said to Philip we would like to see Jesus They likely had heard about him. It's very likely as they had been studying the Old Testament If you study the Old Testament, I believe the Holy Spirit will illuminate your understanding to see Jesus on every page as you look through there that he is in there. And I believe that's probably where they saw, they heard about this man, they saw the, the, the prophecies in the Old Testament, and they probably said, there's something going on with this man, Jesus. And they say, we would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. And as I've told you, I, I believe that there are people in our world who are seeking. I want to be clear here, not everybody is seeking for Jesus. There are some people who want nothing to do with God. And you know that. You've met some of these people. There are some people who wouldn't, as my daddies would say, wouldn't know God if they met him in the road. There's some people that are like that, that don't want anything to do with that. And I want you to further know that even though there may be some who are seeking for God, that it's not because they aren't sinners. In fact, we're all sinners. And what God is showing us in our lives, and I think even at this moment right now, he is using this circumstance to show us that human efforts is all, are always going to fail us. I believe he is going to use all our circumstances to show us that we need something outside of ourselves. And right now we live in an area, and I'm just going to be very specific to this area. I know there are people that, from around the world that could see this, but I'm talking to the folks that are members of McConnell Road Baptist Church who live in the surrounding communities. We live in an area in Greensboro, in Guilford County, in Alamance County, we live in an area that is gospel-haunted. What I mean by that is through the years, the decades, and some of y'all know this even better than I do, that the gospel has been preached, not just in this pulpit, but pulpits around this area. And men and women who've grown up in homes where mama, grandma, daddy, grandpa went to those churches, maybe even drug them by the nape of the neck to those churches, and they've heard the gospel. They know the gospel. They can even sing the gospel songs, drunk as they are around the campfires. They can sing the gospel songs. They know the story. They understand it to some extent, but they're gospel haunted. They're not saved. They don't, as I said, they wouldn't know God if they met him in the road, but they know something of this. There's some who may not have even that experience, but 
I know because we've got a we've got a good handful of Christians that are believers here and y'all live in neighborhoods and you got people around you and and again I don't know about all your reputations but I'd like to think some of y'all have a good reputation in your neighborhood people know who you are and, and if nothing else you got that that there's people that say I know there's something different about old Bruce Bird what's well, I don't know what it is but he lives just down the road there and I've heard good things about him and there, there's there's the, there's that that's going on and, and, and let's be clear, some of those people are going to reject Jesus. We know that. There are some that have already rejected Jesus. But I want you to know that there are some of those who were little boys and girls that mama drug them to church and sent them sit in Sunday school. They grew up and rejected it all, but right now they need what they remembered that preacher preaching about. They need what they heard in that Sunday school classroom. They need what they think they see in you that lives down the street from them. They need that right now. They need answers. They've got questions, and nothing seems to suit, suit them. Nothing seems to sort it out. But they are doing essentially what those Greeks do when they say, Sir, we would see Jesus. I want you to see what Philip, and Philip does here in verse 22. Philip cometh and tells Andrew. And, and again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. You know what they do? <laughs> the Greeks want to see Jesus, and you know what they do? They take the Greeks to Jesus. They show them Jesus. They do exactly. You know what they don't do? They don't sit there and say, I know you want to see Jesus, but let me show you how much faith I have. They don't sit there and say, well, I know you're looking for Jesus, but you want to hear what my opinions are on this matter, what's going on in Jerusalem right now. They don't sit there and say, look at all the programs that we could institute right now. Look at all the ideas that I have. That's not what Philip and Andrew do. What do they do? You want to see Jesus? Let me take you to him. Here he is. They introduce him to Jesus. So they literally take him to Jesus. And then when, when they come to Jesus, verse 23, Jesus answered them saying, and it seems to be that Jesus is talking to the Greeks. He says, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now we're going to talk about what he says here in just a moment, but I want you to see it in a capsule. What he is saying is that God is, or rather Jesus is showing them his glory. He's showing these people who want to see him, he's showing them what they really need is jesus magnified jesus glorified jesus lifted up it's also signaling you if you know anything about the ministry of christ he is closing in on the end of his ministry he's signaling that he is going to go to the cross very soon there's a lot that's going on here that hour that he's been anticipating it's upon him but he's telling them in his, in a nutshell what he is telling these greeks you're looking for me let me show you what you really need you need me jesus that is you need Jesus, and he tells them all about that. You see, this world, they're looking for something, and they don't need me, they need Jesus. And you know what we need to do when this world is looking for the, world, we're looking for the, the, the Savior of the world? You know what we need to do for them? We need to first show them his sacrifice. I want you to see this in verse 24. He says, Jesus answers them, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He's giving here an example or an illustration of what he's about to do. Jesus is going to die on the cross. Romans chapter 5, verse, I believe it's verse 12, that says that, you know, that sin came upon all men because of one man. But then in the following verses that life comes upon all men because of one man. But what Jesus is doing is because he is giving his life, he is, as he talks about here, this kernel of wheat, a seed is going into the ground and it's dying. 
And because it dies, then all this fruit flourishes from that seed. That's, that's the illustration he's given here. And in the same way, because Jesus is dying on the cross, he's giving up his life. He is one who is a ransom for many. He is one who dies to save the rest of the world. That's why he's dying. And he's giving himself, he's dying to give us life. He gives up his life to give us life. Now, why am I telling you this? Because that's what Jesus did. That's the gospel. But he goes on to say there in verse 25, so because of that illustration, he that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. So Jesus is dying on the cross he is dying for the sins of the world. He gave up his life so that all the world can have life. And he's saying, in a sentence here, these Greeks say, I want to see Jesus. And Jesus is saying, well, let me show you my sacrifice. Can I tell you that we have an opportunity through what Jesus is telling us here, that if we don't love our life so much that we're not willing to lose it, if we will actually follow the Savior's example, we can actually show this world Jesus by the sacrifices we're willing to give. See, what the world needs to see in Christians is the sacrifice of Jesus in our lives, in the, in the form of love. Verse 25, he talks about how we're loving our lives less than we love what God has for us. Go back to look at that again. He says that he loves his life, shall lose it, but he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. He has given us that love and hate is a comparison. He's saying not just that you don't love your, your life, that you hate your life like, like we think of hate, but it's truly saying that you're prioritizing God's will above your own desires. This world needs to know that what is most important to us is what God has, as God has given us through Jesus. The world needs to know that what's important to us is not my life, my ambition, my politics, my opinions, my rights, my gain. This world needs to know that what's important to a Christian is if it takes losing our very lives, giving up our rights so that other people can come to Christ, that is worth it to us. That's what this world needs to see. Unfortunately, we know what Christians, we have the reputation of. We have this reputation, quote-unquote, church people is probably a better way to say it because Christians shouldn't act this way, but church people have the reputation of being the kind of people, it's their way or the highway. They've got, they've got their seat on the church pew. They don't want nothing to change about the way they do their thing and don't want you to mess with them. Don't rock the boat. Don't leave, leave them alone. Let them do what they want to do. That's the way church people are viewed, unfortunately, because that's how church people are. That's why. But Christian people say, we're not going to waver on the standards of the Scripture. Absolutely. That's not going to change. But as Paul says, we're all people to all, all, uh, all things to all people so that we can win some. Never wavering on the standards of Scripture, but always willing to sacrifice whatever it takes, giving up our very lives if it means it. He also, in verse 26, talks about serving the Lord. He says, he, God's people, we need to show that sacrifice, being willing to do God's work, no matter what the cost. I think so many of us are willing to do things for others, to help others, to love others, to serve the Lord in that way, as long as it makes us feel good. But he's saying here, you go back to verse 26, 
that we're going to do this because it honors the Father, or rather the Father's going to honor us. We're doing this because it pleases God, not because it makes us feel good. There's a, there ought to be a joy, the privilege of serving God. The world needs to see Jesus. They need to see his sacrifice in our lives. We need to show, him, show them his worth. I want you to see this in verse 28, or verse 27, excuse me. Jesus, again, he's, he's, he's looking forward to the cross, and, and he tells the Greeks here, he says, my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I into this hour. He's saying, I, I'm, I'm, if I can say it this way, the Lord is dreading, if I can say it that way, sort of dreading the cross. He knows that it's coming. There's going to be a physical pain. There'll be a, a spiritual pain that comes with that because the father would reject him. So he's, he's saying, I, 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 if I can be saved from this, great. But he says, I know this is why I've come. So verse 28 is important. He says, Father, glorify thy name. He says, I'm doing this. I'm going to sacrifice myself because the father's glory is more important to me. He is focused on the father's glory despite the pain, despite the suffering the Father, is, his glory is much more important to our Savior, Jesus Christ, than anything else in the world. That's why he's doing this. That's what he says there in verse 28. Father, glorify thy name. But I want you to see what the Father does in response. Verse 28. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. He's talking about the Father saying, I'm glorifying my name and I won't do it again. And then it says in verse 29, the people therefore that stood by and heard it said it thundered, that it thundered. Another said an angel spake to them. So you got to imagine this here. Jesus is talking to the Greeks and these other people probably gathered around and he says, I, I just want my father to be glorified. And then there's a voice from heaven that says, don't worry, son, I'm going to be glorified. I'm going to be glorified. It's okay. I got this. And everybody around him saying, did you hear that? What did you hear? Oh, that was just some thunder. No, no, I think that was an angel talking. But the reality of it was, it was the Father saying, I'm going to make, I'm going to, to, be, to give, my, give this people a signal that I'm the Father, I'm God, and I'm responding to my Son because my Son is valuable. In fact, you keep reading here, and he says there in verse 20, after 29, that they're talking about it. In verse 30, Jesus tells them, let me tell you what you just heard. This voice came not because of me. He said, they weren't, they weren't telling me anything I didn't already know. Of course, Jesus already knew this. But for your sakes. Why is that happening? Because the, those people needed to know that Jesus was important to the Father. The Father makes much of the Son. Wherefore God hath, high, hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Now, this is, what, this is what's going on here, that Jesus' worth to the Father is being manifest to these people. So do you know what? When people come and they're looking for Jesus, you know what they need to see in us? They need to see the worth, the value that we place on, on our Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to be focused on Him, making much of Him. I fear that our, our Christianity is much more about us, much more about our traditions, much more about what we want, much more about our feelings. But our value, our purpose, the whole reason that we exist is Jesus Christ. He's got to be the center of everything. So we need to, as people are, this people around us are seeking for something. They may not know it, but they're seeking for the Savior. When they're seeking for something, we need to show them that Jesus is the most valuable thing in the universe. But that's what the Father has said. 
Then in verse 31, excuse, yeah, verse 31, after, after that exchange happens, Jesus says, now is the judgment of this world. And what he's essentially alluding to is the fact that he would come on the cross and all the sins of the world would be judged in his body and he would bleed and he would die for the sins of the world. That's what he's alluding to here in verse 31. He says, now is the judgment of this world, but look at this last phrase, now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he defeated sin. And when he died on the cross, he gave Satan not just a black eye, but he gave him a mortal wound. The Satan, the Satan that, that bothers us, that tempts us and plagues us day in and day out, he is a defeated foe because of what Jesus has done. Here's the problem. <laughs> Jesus has defeated Satan. But we walk around as if the devil somehow has got a, got a lasso around our necks. Like he somehow is the one that's in control of us, and we're just sitting here, poor, poor, pitiful me. No, 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 the world needs to see that there is victory in Jesus. They need to see that he has done that, that the devil is impotent, that the devil is defeated. They need to see in our lives that we're walking around with, as Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to us. We are not under condemnation. We are not under a curse. We are not under the, the, the devil's control. Yes, we have temptation. We're not going to lie and say we never tempted. We are, absolutely. But we're going to be people who show the world that because of what Jesus did, we have victory in Jesus. They need to see his victory in us. I, I want to be real clear what I'm trying to say here. That is not to say that, there's, that a Christian should never be seen struggling. I, in fact, I think that's the opposite of what's going on here. I think... The fact is we're all going to have pains if you're going through a major disease, something like cancer or major heart problems or, or maybe you've lost a spouse or something like that that's a very, that's a very uh, emotional and physical toll on your, on your body and your mind. I'd be surprised if you didn't struggle a little bit, if not a lot. But it's not to say that you shouldn't have struggle. It is to say that in spite of the struggle, we know at Romans 8, 39, still in the book, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors through him that loved us. We are more than conquerors. And we then, what we need to do, unfortunately too many of us are too quick to say, look at how strong my faith is in the middle of this storm. No, no, no. We need to tell the world, listen, my faith is as weak as water. But the object of my faith, Jesus Christ, he is an anchor that will always hold. I don't care how weakly I'm holding on to him. As the song says, yes, I'm holding on to Jesus, but he's holding on to me. He's holding on to me. So I need to show them the world that the object of my faith is the most important thing. Too many Christians are so proud and so braggadocious about how strong their faith is. And I want to tell you, that is not what this world needs. They don't need your faith. They need the object of your faith, and his name is Jesus, because he is victorious. We need to show the world the victory of Jesus. Look at what he says in verse, 33, or verse 32. You know this verse, you've heard it before, I'm sure. Jesus says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, shall draw all men unto me. Now in verse 33, he explains himself a little bit. This he, or this he said, signifying what death he should die. He is literally saying, I have to be put on the cross, hoisted up 
between heaven and earth. And if that happens, people will come to me and people will be saved. Do you know what this world needs to know? The way Paul wrote it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2, he says, I determine not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the only thing this world needs to know. You see, I have political leanings. You all have political leanings. We all do. But you know what? If the right man or right woman got into office that I thought should get in there, that's not going to save one person. We all have opinions about how this country ought to be run. And let me tell you, mine are right and yours are wrong. But ain't a one of them going to save a person from the pit of hell. The only thing that is going to save this, this, this man that's out here who is contemplating suicide because he's lost his job and his family has fallen apart and he's back into pornography that he thought he was working against and all of those things and he's contemplating suicide right now, he doesn't need a political Washington fix. He doesn't need, he doesn't, I'll tell you, even... Yes, he needs his job back, don't get me wrong, but that is not going to ultimately help his problem. You know what he really needs? Jesus and him crucified. He needs that one that is lifted between heaven and earth. He needs that one that is going to save him. He needs the one who has the power to save. It is the preaching of the cross that to them that perish, it's foolishness. But to us that are saved, it is the power of God, 1 Corinthians tells us. That's what they need right now. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many people still don't know about it. If you go to verse 34, you see that these people, they're talking among themselves. They say, we've heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? They're just debating, they're debating theology here. It's like, is this right? You're, you're telling me that, that you're, you're you're the Messiah and you're going to die? How does that work? That, that doesn't ma match up to how we've been taught things. They didn't understand all of that. And I want you to know that in this day and age, there are some people, they may know the name of Jesus. They're gospel haunted. They're church haunted. Mama drug them to church one time and they, they've heard those stories and they know about the things, but they, don't have, they can't add it all up. But you see, they still don't know all about this stuff. Too many people think it's about the offerings we give. They think it's about this church building. They think it's about the rules. I, I grew up in a, a very strict form of independent fundamental Baptist, and, and it was all about how you wore your hair and your clothes and all these other things. And some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and sometimes we get that all confused. The rituals, it's about the communion. Certain traditions, they think about, you know, if you take the communion, that's somehow getting, getting saved. Or maybe other people that are more mystical think it's about the deep thoughts and the feelings that I have the point is that people have, they're all kind of confused about what's going to save them. None of those things are going to save you. There might even be some of those things that are good things. I like this church building. I like for us to gather together. It's a beautiful place. Man, it's not going to save anybody. It is only Christ and him glorified or crucified. He needs to be the one. They don't need to see our tradition they don't need to see our rituals they don't need to see our opinion they need to see christ he is the one as he says there that when he is lifted up men are drawn to him men are drawn to him go with me to verse 35 and jesus says unto them yet a little while is the light with you walk while you have the light 
lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be children of the light. These things spake Jesus and departed, and he did, did hide himself from them. What we need to show this world is the truth that we have. We are to be, he's talking about here, lights in this world. We're to be lights in this world to show them what's going on. But I want you to know that right now is the time. Today is the day. In this moment that Jesus is talking, he would soon no longer be on this earth. There was only a small window of time that he actually walked on the earth. And he's saying, listen, it's light today because I'm here. I'm the light. I'm shining today. I'm here. But there will be a time when I'm not here. And I want, you, I want this world to know that, and I want anybody that's listening to me to know that I'm preaching you the, the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. And there's a moment in time, I don't know how long, it might be the next 20, 30, 50 years, 100 years, I don't know, but it might just be another day or two before the Lord says, it's done, I'm done with this thing. We need to show them the truth that we have. We need to let, let the world see Jesus while he shines brightly in us. When you do, when they see Jesus, when they see that, when they see him in us, you know what Jesus does? He takes the darkness and he transforms it to light. It's literally like when you're in a dark room and you turn the light on. You know what happens? That darkness just goes away. It's gone. Because what happens? We have turned on the light. And Christians, here's what this world needs. They don't need more of you. They need more of Jesus. Because I can sit here and I can curse the dark all day long. It ain't going nowhere. But the minute that I flip the lights on, that darkness scatters. But if I will turn on the light, Jesus Christ, let him be shown in my life, show his truth, he'll change things. He will change lives forever. You see, this world needs to see the truth of Jesus in us. Unfortunately, you know what they're seeing? <laughs> they're seeing every other thing. They're not seeing the truth of Christ. In fact, too many of us are not even, as, as John suggests, we're even walking, we're having fellowship with darkness. Some of us actually are sitting in the dark. We need to go ahead and have fellowship with him. Don't walk in darkness. Fellowship with him, as John writes in 1 John uh, chapter 1. Have you been walking in the light? Has there been a change in you? And if, that's, if you can answer truthfully, yes, there has, let that shine. Let that show because that's what's going to, it changed you. It's going to change the world. It'll change the world. You see, what our world needs right now is Jesus. You know that. <laughs> you know that. I'm not telling you, I, I don't want to stand up here and sound like I said something profound because I didn't say anything profound that hadn't been preached for the last 2,000 years. I said it in a Matthew Tilly way, but at the end of the day, I just said what the world, what, rather what Christians have been preaching for 2,000 world, 2000 years. The world needs Jesus. Some of them aren't looking for him. Some of them are looking for something. They don't know exactly what they're looking for, but they're looking for something. But whatever it is they think they're looking for, if you're a Christian tonight, if Jesus is your Savior, yes, you've got a home in heaven, hallelujah, praise the Lord, but you have what they need. Now, how selfish of you would it be if this world needed all kinds of toilet paper and you were sitting on a big old hoard of it at the house? 
And some of y'all might be doing that, so if you're feeling any conviction, get over it and deal, do something about it. But what would you be? What would, what would that be? Seriously, let's make something more serious. The world had a water shortage, but you had a well that was perfectly clean and perfectly pure, and you had enough to supply not only your house, but everybody around you. What, 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 how selfish would you be not to tap that and to give some to other people around you? Well, how selfish would you be? In the same way, Christian, do you know that you have the life-giving spirit of Christ dwelling in you? You have his victory over sin, over death, over hell, over the grave. You have his victory in your life. You have his gospel on your lips. You've already confessed faith in Jesus. You have what they need. How selfish of us not to give it to them. Furthermore, if we had that well in our backyard, nobody else had any water, but we had that well drilled, it's perfect, pure, beautiful, wonderful water, life-giving water. What if instead we went ahead and passed out poison, passed out mud? You know, that's exactly what we're doing as Christians when we try to show them our politics, our own faith, our brand of religion, our brand of tradition, our good works. No, 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 this world, they're doing what the Greeks are saying here. Sir, we would see Jesus. They don't need more of me. They don't need more of you. They need Jesus. So my invitation, and I'm going to close with this, my invitation is for you to see Jesus yourself. If you're watching this, listening to this, and you've been looking for something. There's, a, there's something missing inside of you. Maybe you can't quite put your finger on or maybe your mama did drag you to Sunday school and you remember what somebody taught you and you said, yep, that's the thing I need. Now that you say it, it, remind, it rings a bell. Wherever you are, but you're missing something, I want to invite you to see Jesus. Your heart is crying out, I want to see Jesus. I want Jesus. I want him. And I want to give you that opportunity to Confess faith in Jesus. The Bible says plainly that if you'll confess your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will say, I know that what he did on the cross was for me, if you'll believe that in your heart, you will confess that with your mouth, he says that you will be saved. He will provide you the thing you're needing. And I want to invite you, if you're one who's never believed in Jesus, would you come on and believe in him? I'd love to talk with you about it. I think Brother Charles could probably put on the screen now, if he hasn't already, a phone number that you can call or you can text, and I'll be glad to talk with you. If you're on Facebook, if you want to put in a comment, I need some help, or just put the word help, Brother Charles will reach out to you. He'll talk to you while he's watching you right now. I don't want you to pass. I want you to know that what you need is not a better worship experience. What you need is not a better life. What you need is not all the problems in your life to go away. What you need is the Savior who died for you. You need the Savior who gave you victory. You need Him. And I want to invite you to Him. Now, Christian, and I know that I'm talking to probably the majority of my audience is members of this church, friends of this church, and you claim to be Christians, and I'm glad of that. But I want to invite you to show Jesus. I just want you to take this criticism as a constructive criticism, as a try to be a help to you. I'm afraid that much of our showing of our Christianity 
is much more about our traditions, much more about our way of thinking, much more about our politics than it is about showing Jesus. I believe that this moment is a refining fire that we can look at and say, what it, I need to let it strip out all the garbage that I have associated with my Christianity and let me get it down to the refined, the gold of my Christianity, which is the Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to offer to you the same help. You can call me. Y'all got my phone number. Charles, it flashed on the screen. You can call me, text me. Please, I'd be glad to talk with you, pray with you about it. Maybe there's something specific that you're struggling with. Maybe there's even a, a someone in your family or your neighborhood or at your workplace that you're praying about. I'd like to pray with you about those people. I want you to get a heart for people not to see more of you, but to see more of Jesus. And I want to invite you to do that. Would you do that? Would you, would you take some time and just say, Lord, I messed up. I'm not doing it right. But I know this world around me needs something that I've got. You've given it to me. Thank you, Lord. Help me to share it out. Would you do that? I want to invite you to do that. I'm going to close with a word of prayer. And I uh, want to invite you to please reach out if you need some help. I want to be a help to you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the, the good news that we can share. You've given us so much of, of this great news. I mean, we've experienced it. I mean, there's some people in our church, Lord, that, you, that you, they've got some amazing testimonies. How you transformed them out of the, the darkest of dark into the most bright, brilliant light. Some people who were just rolling around in the muck of sin, but because you came down and you transformed them by your grace. Lord, I want to say thank you for that, but Lord, I pray that you'll help those same people to remember what Jesus did for them, how he transformed their lives and to show the world what they needed back then and what this world needs now. And that's the simple truth of Jesus. Lord, I know that they want to see Jesus. This world wants to see Jesus. I pray that you'll give us the opportunity, the heart, and the understanding of how exactly we can do that. We pray this in the name of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.